before you are seated, if you would turn around and high-five somebody, welcome them home to Evangel on this Sunday morning. We're going to jump into things a little bit different this morning. You can go ahead and have a seat for all those joining us online. So good to see you here. We welcome you. Click that little share button and invite somebody to church with you. For all of those here, jump online real quick for me, share the services, and uh, let's watch what God's going to do this morning. Before we dive into the Word this morning, um, I want to take a moment up top and just share a little bit about what we're seeing in current events within our our world. I feel like this is a ninth grade history class where you got to talk through current events. Um, but I talk through them because not every current event is a prophetic event. But this is very prophetic, all right? This is very prophetic in nature, what is going on in our world. And so as spiritual leaders, we have an obligation to help break down the prophetic events as they unfold before us. And so first of all, I want to share and just say that our hearts and they should, it should break for what, the, what is going on in Ukraine. Jesus on his way up to Jerusalem uh, stopped. He wept because of the impending destruction that was ha- going to happen to Jerusalem in the coming years. In our heart, anytime we see tragedy on our world scene, it should be moved. What has taken place in Ukraine and Russia is nothing more than the stage getting set for the return of Jesus. Support being drawn between nations around our world that are not aligned with Israel, that are not aligned with America, that are adversaries of Israel. And so what we are seeing is a fulfillment of prophecy. In 2014, I was in a former Soviet state and a pastor shared a prophecy that had been given saying that the veil of communism would only be removed for three to four decades. And then it would seek to creep back over that part of Europe once again. Two to three years later, I was with another pastor and missionary from a former Soviet state who who echoed the same exact words as the other missionary. So here we are with world history and prophecy being fulfilled. In March of 2021, shortly after um, Putin began amassing the troops upon the Ukrainian border uh, in the southern part of Israel, and it's been going on, or not Israel, but of of Ukraine, Um, it's been going on for almost a year, and as surprised as political leaders across the spectrum may seem, they're not. They were hopeful, um, but they were not surprised. And as Christians, it shouldn't surprise us as well, because it doesn't just stop with Ukraine. Prophetically, prophetically, it can't stop with Ukraine. Many theologians, they believe that in Ezekiel chapter 38, the prophecy of Gog and Magog are referring to Russia, to Iran, and Israel, how a nation from the north being Magog would then attack a peaceful and unsuspecting nation, which would be Israel. And on Wednesday, Russia was making territorial disputes and threats against Israel. We're at a very critical point in world history. So what do we do? Fear? No. We pray. We pray, amen? We are a people of prayer. We do not fear those things. We have a God who is sovereign and on his throne. But we also, we lift up our eyes to the harvest. Jesus said in Luke not to be foolish in understanding the present times. But then in Acts, he said, don't be preoccupied with the times. How do you do that? Understand the time, but not be preoccupied with it. It's kind of like an athlete. When they're in the fourth quarter, Their eyes aren't staying on the clock. 
They've got a game that is in front of them that is a win or a loss, and they've got to stay focused on the game. They've got to be understanding of the time, but they've got to focus on the game that's in front of them. And as Christians, we are in a battle, and the battle is not flesh and blood, it's principality. And there's a harvest of souls that is at stake, and a harvest is only right once. So what am I saying? I'm saying it's time for us not just to pray, but to lift up our eyes to the harvest and have a sense of urgency within the hour in which we live, knowing that eternity is at stake for billions of people all around our world. It is prophetic nature, and if Paul believed that he was living in the last hours of world history, how much closer are we? Lift up your eyes. Let this put a fire in your heart to help share the good news of Christ Jesus with all of those who are lost, hurting, and broken. And let's just pray for our world. All right, let's jump into Mark chapter 10, verse 42. It's where we're going to start at today. I got cones because we're gonna work on some of y'all's parking after service out in the parking lot. There's white lines there for a reason, y'all. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. And Jesus called to them and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Today we start a new series called Kingdom Culture, where we look at the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And if you look on the crown that was just up there, it's upside down. Why? Because that's God's kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom, right? Greatness through serving. Not first, last. If you wanna be great, be the servant. Every nation, or kingdom in our world has a culture. And in those nations and kingdoms, there's many subcultures there, therein. And America is comprised, it's got its predominant culture, or if you would say freedom, or something along those lines, there's the predominant culture, but within America, there's many different cultures as well. There's the North, anybody from the North? Y'all can shout a little bit, y'all a little dead on me. Anybody from the South? There we go. Anybody from the West Coast? All right, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Anybody from the East Coast? Honestly, yeah. In every home across America, there is a lot of culture. My home has its own culture. My wife is Filipino-American, born and raised in New Jersey. I'm first generation, yeah, there we go, we have a Jersey person in the room. I'm first generation Floridian, the product of Alabama and Georgian love. And there's a lot of culture in my house, especially in a multiracial setting. And there are things that work for us that might not work for you, right? Things that work for you that might not work for us. It's called culture. And the movie Lion King, anybody love Lion King? There's a lot of culture spread throughout the movie. Pride Rock had its own culture under the king Mufasa, right? It was a culture where everything lived and most everything lived and worked together in harmony in the circle of 
the circle of life. But Scar, he had a different culture of death and destruction in the elephant graveyard. And after Scar murdered his brother Mufasa, Scar's culture of the graveyard became the culture of the pride land, right? And the circle of life was fragmented at that point. But then you had the oasis where Simba ran as a refugee, Hakuna Matata. Was it me? No worries. It had its own culture and Simba who was raised under his father, Mufasa's leadership was seduced into this laissez-faire, do-nothing mentality. And even though it was a culture of lays and ease, it was not a culture that could prevail in the face of opposition. Cultures of lays and ease, they never prevail in the face of opposition. But destiny had chosen Simba. Kind of like God has chosen us. And Simba was called to be a culture warrior. He was called to fight for and reestablish the kingdom. And it would only be reestablished through blood, through sweat, and through tears. Church, we are called to establish culture. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on and in earth as it is in heaven. And it does not happen through the laissez-faire mentality, the do-nothing mentality. The scripture says the kingdom of heaven is suffers violence and the violence take it by are y'all with me this morning? The kingdom of heaven it suffers violence and the violent they take it by force. The kingdom of heaven has a culture, as does the kingdom of this world. And these cultures are in forceful opposition to one another. And we are to be culture warriors in the kingdom, subscribed to the kingdom of heaven, subscribed to the culture of the kingdom. We don't pick, we don't choose the culture that God wants in his kingdom. God already did. We live within the culture, within the context that God has already established. And so this week, we start off looking at servanthood. And even though servant, serving isn't thought of highly in the world's culture, Jesus both taught and modeled servanthood frequently. At Evangel, we lead by serving. If serving is the identity of the Savior, it must be the identity of the believer. Right? If serving is the identity of our Savior, it must be the identity of the believer. So from parking lot to pulpit, from greeter to usher, to children's worker, to worship team leader, to, to those that work in youth, to those that work in child care, to, to whatever area in security or mission strip worker, outreach coordinator, outreach leader, whatever area that you are in, we lead by serving. We lead by serving. Mark chapter 10 verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come up to Jesus, and they say to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Anybody ever came up to you and say, Hey, can you do me a favor? Like, they want your yes before they even, get an answer, you even know what's going on. And Jesus said to them, What do you want from me? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. The culture of the world. See, the disciples are on their way up to Jerusalem. And in the previous verses, Jesus had just finished sharing for the third time. How many times? The third time. 
how he was getting ready to be crucified at the hands of the religious and the Romans. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? Nobody wants that R&R, the religious and the Romans. Jesus, he's about to face a brutal death, and three days later, he would rise. And look at what's going on through the mind of James and John. Jesus, I know you just talked about your death, but can you do us a favor? Like, really, it's not that time. It's not that moment in conversation. And James and John, they're asking him to do whatever because the disconnect is huge in this moment, right? Jesus is over here majoring on the plan of God, establishing the culture of the kingdom, and these two disciples are caught up in what the kingdom can do for me, right? They're not concerned of what they can do for the kingdom. They're concerned with what the kingdom can do for me. Church, the kingdom is best lived out when we got a subscription to the kingdom of heaven, not a prescription for the kingdom of heaven. See, James and John, they were prescribing, hey, Jesus, here's what you can do in my life. Hey, Jesus, let me write up a prescription of what you can do for me. Hey, Jesus, I need these things going on. When Jesus isn't worried about our prescription, he's worried about us subscribing. Instead, the kingdom, it should be a subscription of, Jesus, what can I do for you? Jesus, here is my life. Jesus, here is my everything. Thank you for your death. Thank you for saving me. I'm yours. I'm surrendered to your plan and your calling on my life. Too often we are calling God to serve our needs when he is calling us to simply serve in his kingdom. Church, are you subscribing or are you prescribing to Jesus? See, God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom and we got to focus on kingdom culture. Maybe James and John, maybe they felt entitled. Maybe they felt that Jesus owed it to them. Maybe James and John felt that Jesus couldn't do this saving the world thing without them, that they were indispensable, so they asked Jesus for a favor. Jesus responds, what's up? Right, what's up? I can just imagine Jesus shaking his head at this point and smiling. He already knows, right? It's not gonna be a surprise to him. But Jesus, notice he doesn't tell them no up front. He just leans in and listens. Church, wisdom listens. Wisdom listens. Wisdom can never teach a lesson if it first does not listen. And after Jesus had listened, he taught them a lesson. This is wisdom for some of you here today. Stop talking so much and lean in and listen. Stop having so much discussion and just listen. Maybe it'll be a lesson that needs to be taught, but you gotta listen first so you can hear what they're saying so that you can teach a lesson. It's not the sermon though. James and John, they reply, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. See, James and John, they thought that, yeah, Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem and set up his kingdom. It was very current thought of all the disciples. It was current thought of many of those in Jerusalem because they came out singing Hosanna, Hosanna to him in the highest. You had him coming down on a donkey, going up in the palmetto branches, everything going on. And so everybody knew that Jesus was about to be coronated as the king of Jerusalem and to rid them of the Romans. And so, yeah, there might be a little bit of bloodshed along the way, but hey, Jesus even said he would rise again. So what did they do? Can we sit on either side of your throne when you establish your kingdom? 
They wanted to be a part of the glory. Instead of focusing on establishing kingdom culture, James and John, they were focused on selfish ambition. And how many times have we lived in the same narrative when the plans of the kingdom, they're plainly laid out in front of us. Jesus has plainly presented them to us, but we are only focused on what concerns us within our lives. We're focused on our position. We're focused on our status. We're focused on our our fame, our security, our, our needs of shining. Whereas kingdom culture tells us we're not here because of us. We're not here for us. In fact, we've done nothing to even be able to sustain sustain ourselves because scripture teaches us it's in him that we live. It's in him that we move. It's in him that we have our being. Church, we are here for him to serve his great purpose in the world that is around us. Philippians says, in chapter 2, verse 3, it says, do nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each one of you look not only to his interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? This mindset is available, and it's yours and in Christ Jesus. You just gotta go after it through Christ Jesus, right? It's not a mindset that is far off. It's not a mindset that cannot be attained. It's not a mindset that we cannot grasp hold of. It's a mindset that we should have, that we should want, but it only comes in and through Christ Jesus, who was in the form of God and did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, and he emptied himself into the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Church, this is the mindset that God calls us to have. This is the culture that God calls us to establish. What does your prayer transcript look like? Is it filled up with Jesus, here's my list? Or is it filled up with Jesus, how can I advance your kingdom? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me and through me on this earth as it is in heaven. See, the crazy thing is, The chapter beforehand in Mark chapter 9, Jesus had just corrected this same exact behavior. He's probably scratching his head saying, how many times is it going to take? How many conversations are we going to have? I just started coaching a four and five-year-old soccer a couple of weeks ago, and I've got one or two kids on the team that they listen pretty good right away and there's nine kids on the team, so do your math there, right? The other kids, it takes them 18 times before they do what you say. And in our training to be coaches, they they had to put us through like all these hours of of courses. They put us through concussion management for four and five-year-old soccer. Concussion management, really? put us through harassment and creating a positive environment, all of these things, but they didn't teach us anger management for four and five-year-olds. So I was like, hey, you might wanna add that to the, uh, to the manual next time. But one of the things I've learned in coaching soccer is the power 
of the orange cone. The power of the orange cone. The first week, I lined up the soccer players and I didn't have cones and I said, hey, you stand here, hey, you stand here, you stand here, you stand here and we're gonna do this drill together. And before you knew it, they were like cats running all around the place and you're trying to gather them. They're picking dandelions and chasing butterflies and just like all over the place. And I'm like, what can I do? And I'm like, orange cone, orange cone. The power of the orange cone. And you know what? This is often us with our walk with God. He's given us a spot. He's given us a place. And he said, hey, just serve. Stay on your spot. Stop being preoccupied with all of the things of the world, chasing all the whims, the dreams, the fancies. If you will just stay on your cone and serve, he, he wouldn't have to scratch his head so many times around us. We often think, why are we here? What are we here to do? Why should we be here? And he's given us a spot. He's told us exactly what to do, to serve, to give of ourselves. And the disciples, they're arguing about who is the greatest among them. They're arguing about who is the greatest. It's like the moon and all of our solar systems arguing among themselves, which one is the greatest? Which moon is the greatest? All the moon is made of is dirt and metal. And they're meant to reflect the sun. We're made of dirt and bones, meant to reflect the sun. And if the disciples would just let it sink in, if we would just let it sink in and we would stay on our cone, how much more might be accomplished in the world around us? Jesus said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all, servant of all. So Jesus tells James and John on their request, there's a high cost associated with greatness in the kingdom of heaven. But to grant, to sit on the right or the left is reserved for the Father. It wasn't his to give at that point, it was reserved for the Father. The other disciples, when they hear this, scripture says they become indignant. They become angry. Not because they were disappointed in James and John, right? Not because they were disappointed that they would ask this. Not that they were disappointed in selfish ambition, but because James and John's sin was contagious. It began to awaken in their life that quest, that desire, that longing for greatness. Make no mistake, the sin within our lives can cause sin in other people's lives to be awakened as well. That's why it's so important that we guard the hearts of our lives, lest it have contagion against those who are around us. But just as sin can awaken sin in another per person's life, so can righteousness within one's life awaken righteousness within another's life. If we have a mindset, if we have a heart to serve, people will see it and be inspired by it, and they will be willing to step up to the plate and to serve as well. If we will just understand that we have a spot, we have a cone, and we are here. We are called to carry out his great purposes. We are subscribed, not prescribing, to the kingdom of heaven. We can see this world be changed and transformed around us. So Jesus, he says, hey, bring it in. Bring it in. He calls them all together into a huddle, and he lays out culture, kingdom culture. He's putting cones out in verse 42, and he says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. You know what Jesus is doing? He's taking a moment to deconstruct the view of the populace. He's saying, don't be like the world. Don't be hungry for the power. Don't be hungry for the fame. 
Don't be hungry for the authority, the culture that he was showing them and asking his followers to live out was one that was upside down. Jesus tells them, it shall not be so among you. It shall not be like the Gentiles. It shall not be like the world. Deconstruct the system of the world within your life and take up the system of the kingdom of heaven within your life. Kingdom culture is found where? It is found through servanthood, through denying oneself and preferring others above yourself. Listen to what Paul says in Acts chapter 20. He says, but I do not account my life of any value. I do not count my bones, my flesh, and my blood as any value to myself if only if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received, the call that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the goodness of God, to testify of the gospel of grace of God to the world around us. Oh, for a heart like this that we would not consider our lives of the value of the world, but we would humble ourselves and we would say, we are here to accomplish your great purpose, to serve your great purpose in the world that is around us. Church, two words I long to hear. Two words I believe that every person, every believer in this church longs to hear are well done. Well done. But who is Jesus talking to? He said, well done, thy good and faithful. What did he say? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. It doesn't say, well done, great servant. It doesn't say, well done, famous one or influencer. It doesn't say, well done, famous pastor of a mega church. It doesn't say, well done, apostle, priest, king, business owner, doctor, lawyer, teacher, actor. It says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys that I have prepared for you. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's kingdom culture. See, servanthood, it was not about position. It was about posture. Servanthood was about a mindset. Servanthood was about an attitude. And this is the culture that Jesus came into this world to establish kingdom culture. The worship team, if you would come to the stage. John 13 Verse 12 says, when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garments and he resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. The only time you'll ever see in red letter, the only time you'll see that Jesus said, I've given you an example, is right here. In all the scripture, the only place. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. When Jesus came, he established kingdom culture. He had to. 
And he had to start with deconstructing the view of the populace. He had to start with deconstructing the view of the world. Because the world it has this tendency to slowly creep in and to fog our mentality of what is great and what is valuable within our life, right? It has this tendency to creep in and to, to fog the things that are truly of value, the things that are of true importance. And so Jesus had to begin to deconstruct the narrative that they had so easily believed and it had beset their lives. And after he had deconstructed it, he began constructing kingdom culture within his disciples' lives. And that's what we are doing here today as church. We gotta disconnect from the system of the world to where we're not here to lord it over one another another but we are here to serve one another we are here to give of ourselves as a holy pleasing offering unto God are we serving in God's kingdom are we serving in our world are we answering the call to serve is this what we exude within our lives are we always looking for that top spot are we always looking for that first place? Are we always looking for that? Jesus, he had to deconstruct it. Are you serving? We're not above our master, but we must joyfully, joyfully follow his lead. Watch this, Psalms 102. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Not out of obligation. Not out of frustration. Not out of, they ain't got anybody else to do it. Might as well be me. Right? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's what God is looking for. People who serve joyfully. If you would, go ahead and stand with me. Our hearts are drawn towards service. This past week, it's been an inspiration to watch the people of Ukraine lay down their lives for a cause so much bigger than themselves. And if you've been following the headlines, you've seen some of these stories probably. But this week, a 20-year-old Ukrainian Marine, he gave up his life as the Russian tanks were coming into his community they were getting ready to cross a bridge. And he knew he could inhibit their advance if that bridge was blown up. The only problem was he couldn't go blow up the bridge and make it back in time. It required detonating the explosives before he cleared the area. So this 20-year-old Ukrainian Marine, for the sake of honor, surrendered his life for his country. He found his cone. He got on his place of service. He answered the call. He stayed. This past week, an 80-year-old Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian man showed up to join the army, brought a small brown bag with him with two t-shirts, an extra pair of pants, a toothbrush, and a few sandwiches. When asked why he was wanting to joined the army, he said, it's for my grandkids. It's for my grandkids. He grew up under the veil of communism. It's for my grandkids. 
found his sermon, found his call. The most inspirational story this week, the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, could have grabbed millions, a private jet, and his family, and fled to Monaco. And when asked by our president, if he wanted to evacuate with him and his family, he responded, the fight is here. I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Church, the fight is here. The fight is here. We wage war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and things in high places. And God is looking for a people who are willing to serve. God is looking for a people who will find their cone, who will answer the call and will give of themselves so that this world might be reached. A 20-year-old Marine, an 80-year-old grandfather, a 44-year-old president. It's not about position, it's about posture. It's about posture. What is the posture of your heart? this morning what is the posture of your heart what is the posture of our hearts are we answering the call of service we are here to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven it's eternal culture that is worth fighting for with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning What's the posture of your heart? What's the posture? What's the prayer transcript look like? Is it one joyfully surrendered to the serve? Is it one that joyfully stands at the cone, that finds his or her position, waiting, saying, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm here, I'm available to answer the call to establish your culture, your kingdom culture on earth. Is it a posture? Servanthood. I want you to grab your items and I want us to get out of our seats from where we are this morning and a fresh sign of dedication, a fresh sign of consecration, give our surrender to Him. Romans says, present yourselves as a reasonable sacrifice. I want us to come find a place to pray this morning and freshly consecrate, freshly surrender, freshly dedicate our lives unto a king who is a faithful king. Come on, maybe things have been tough. Maybe things have been difficult. Maybe things have been all about you. And it's convicting, it's moving. We'll move from where you are to this place. And let's kneel before the King of Kings and say, God, I'm yours. God, I'm ready. God, I'm willing. God, I'm here to answer the call, the call that you have placed on my life. God, I'm standing on my cone. God, I'm not gonna back down. God, I'm gonna step up. God, it's the time is near, the time is nigh. I'm ready to answer the call so that all may know, all may see. Come on, just begin crying out to Him. Begin that time of fresh surrender. Begin this time of fresh dedication and consecration. Jesus, Jesus.
to him this morning. Surrender. Surrender. We're here to surrender for your purpose, Lord. For your kingdom. Is the For treasure in heaven, Father. Not on this earth. And we surrender. We give ourselves to you. Come on, church. Surrender home, surrender family, surrender occupation to answer the call. We give ourselves, God, in service to you. Jesus, we surrender. step of surrender is surrendering your life to Jesus to make him Lord of your life let's not wait let's do it now let's do it today for now is the time of salvation he's wooing he's calling unto you so with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning if if you are here and you need to surrender your life to the Lord maybe you've strayed maybe you've walked away and you just need a place of rededication of resurrender I want you to just slip up your hand this morning Jesus is here for you he loves you amen let's pray this prayer together say dear Jesus thank you for grace thank you for salvation I surrender my life to you today forgive me of my sins be Lord of my life and help me serve in your kingdom in Jesus name I pray Amen. Amen. I want us to do something. I want us to grab hands one beside another this morning. And if we're going to serve, if we're going to establish kingdom culture, it's going to take an army. Right? It's going to take an army. Not just deacons, not just people who are lined up arm in arm, but it's going to take a church that is unified to go against the patterns of this world, to establish the culture.
nature of the kingdom of heaven. And so as an army, I want us to begin to cry out to God that he will help us. He will strengthen us, that we will stand arm in arm, that we won't allow things to divide us. We won't allow things to get between us, but we will link arms. We will link shields as the body of Christ, as an army that cannot and will not be shaken because we have a king that cannot and will not be shaken. So come on, let's begin to pray that God would give us strength for the task that he has called us to. Father, we come before you today as a unified people. And God, I thank you that where there is unity, you command the blessing. So God, we will not give in to the division of the world. We will not bow to the patterns of the world. But Father, we will stand strong, arm in arm, hand in hand, to advance the culture of the kingdom. God, that your kingdom would be manifested in and through our lives. That Father, we are here to serve. God, not to lord it over others, but to serve those, to see your kingdom established in and through our midst. God, raise up an army, raise up a people, raise up a generation, completely surrendered, completely dedicated, completely consecrated to you. Raise it up today. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Come on, come on church, just begin, keep praying. Father, we pray for salvation for our world. That God, as we walk arm in arm, hand in hand, that as we serve your kingdom, we will see salvation come forth. We will see salvation come to Jacksonville. God, we'll see salvation come to Northeast Florida. We'll see salvation come to America. God, to all of the nations of the world. Father, if there could just be a couple of people joining together in unity, you said if one could put a thousand to flight, two could send the legions fleeing. And Father, when we bond ourselves with one another, God, there's nothing that is impossible. There's nothing that is impossible. Father, for we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. Give us strength. Give us the power, oh Lord, to serve, to go against the patterns, to resist the enemy. Your word says that as we resist the enemy, he must flee. And Father, we are tired of seeing the resistance of hell. We want to see victory over the patterns of hell in this world around us. So God, as we walk together in unity, give us victory for this battle. It does not belong to us. It belongs to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. Come on, let's lift up a shout unto him this morning. Come on. We thank you. A shout of victory, a shout that'll make all of hell quake. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. We can do better than that. Lift up a shout of triumph, a shout of victory. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Church, we are called as spiritual leaders to help you understand your call, to help you understand your place in ministry. That's my calling. It's not complicated. We are here to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So why are we passionate about E-Track? Because when you go into E-Track, you go into heart, serve, which is discovery discovering the giftings that God has placed 
on your life. So if you say, I don't know where to start, E-Track, Heart, starts next Sunday. It's three classes, Heart, Serve, and Join. And we are here to help you discover your place and service. I needed to coach soccer. That's what I understood. I always sit up here and say, listen, you need this in your life. I was like, no, I don't, they, need, they need me, I don't need this. No, I needed it. I needed it. We all need this place of serve within our life. We all need this expression of serve within our life. And so what's your next step if you don't know? It's grab a connection card, check the little thing that says I'm ready to get connected and be at heart class next Sunday and let us help you discover your serve. Amen. Tonight we've got night of worship. I'm going to close out. I want to read the ironic blessing. So let's slip up our hands. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've invited us to be a part of serving in your kingdom. You don't need us. You can do it all without us. But you've given us a seat at the table. We thank you, God, for that seat. God, I pray that we would fill that seat. We'd find our cone. We would do it with all diligence within our life. Father, I pray your blessing upon your people today. As we go from this place, we don't go from your presence. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.